Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg as it is early May and I am recording on a Thursday night. You're listening probably on a Friday morning. But early May for sports fans, even casual sports fans, usually means we tune in and watch the ponies every Saturday, the first Saturday in May, excuse me, on every year. That's because the most exciting two minutes in sports have arrived. It's the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs in Louisville on Saturday evening, and we are going to run through the field and perhaps, maybe, enlighten some people on how some things work with wagering on the ponies, but I will admit I am not one that follows the sport year-round, but I certainly enjoy the Triple Crown, the three races in the five weeks. I've been to the Preakness a couple of times. It's a lot of fun, and I, I enjoy doing some research and seeing the same names pop up for some of the trainers and the jockeys and, uh, Talking to people that do follow the race and the sport, excuse me, year-round. Had a horse racing writer on our my radio show today uh, for the uh, Sports Map Radio Network where I work. So it was fun to be able to pick his brain and I'll share some nuggets along the way. So again, it's the Run for the Roses on Saturday at Churchill Downs. And uh, I figured I'd hop on and 
run through the field, give a quick little nugget or two on each horse if I'm interested in using them, and obviously some informational stuff as well just on gambling on the Kentucky Derby. The first thing, just in general, when you're betting horses that you should understand is it's different than betting sports in the sense that when you sports bet, you are locked into the odds that you get. So, you know, you're locked into the money line price. You're locked into the point spread. And and that's why we always talk about getting the best of the number, right? And getting the line at a certain time of the week, if it's a football game, before it moves or things like that. That's not the case in, in horse racing as the odds are based off of how much money is wagered on each horse. And so those odds can really move around quite a bit. And so while you will see a, a typical 10 to 1 or a 6 to 1 or whatever it may be posted on some of these horses, what that is is the morning line odds. And that is not always what the horse will go off at come post time. The difference being the morning line odds is ba- are basically just estimates on behalf of the track handicapper, wherever you may be. I'll mention some of the other tracks that these races take place on, Gulfstream Park, uh, the Arkansas Derby uh, is another one of the big races. I can't remember where that one's at. Oaklawn Park is another one. All these different tracks across the country that you know have these handicappers that hang these lines. Uh, obviously, Churchill Downs, where the Kentucky Derby is, and so they put these numbers up, and they're the morning line numbers, and they're just kind of a guideline. So you want to kind of keep an eye on the odds as the day progresses, and obviously. A horse like a race like the Kentucky Derby, excuse me, can have some more. You know, is going to have more money wagered, and that you know sometimes you just get the the horse that everybody loves a name for. You know, a lot of money comes in on those horses, and and that can obviously impact the odds more in, in a race with a handle as big as the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, just important to keep in mind that the Odds are always on the move uh, when you're betting the ponies. They call it a pari mutual, I think is the term uh, that is used uh, to define that. So uh, always on the move and and it can change sometimes rather quickly uh, with the pony. So that's the first thing. The second thing is obviously there's a lot of ways you can diversify your bankroll when it comes to the ponies as well. In in that regard, it's kind of like betting a golf major when you can kind of target different golfers to finish in certain areas of the tournament, it's kind of like that when it comes to a horse race in the sense that, you know, obviously the most common terms are win, place, show. Win is just that, win the race. Uh, and you can straight bet a horse to win the race. And, you know, that that's obviously pretty simple and straightforward. Place, obviously, being the runner-up, coming in second. And show uh, is uh, the term for coming in third. And, you know, hitting the board, which is a term that I'll throw out quite a bit uh, with regard to some of these horses. So those are the most common ones. Uh, and you can straight bet at any point uh, and lock a horse into the win place show position. Uh, but usually the fun in the horse racing betting comes with your exotic tickets, which are your exactas, your trifectas, and your superfectas. I don't really dabble as much with the superfecta because I think that's uh, a whole other animal, uh, no pun intended, that I uh, don't want to get into uh, because the superfecta involves you got to hit all four of, of the top four on the in the race, and, and that just feels like a pipe dream. I've never even hit a trifecta, much less 
Uh, actually, maybe I got one, but it didn't really pay that well. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, the Super is not one that I normally dabble with. But if you're looking for a big, long-shot payout, you know, sometimes the Super can obviously uh, lend that because, you, you know, uh, again, to compare it to some sports you know, sports betting, it would be like a 14 parlay or something and, and the odds and how much they would go up from a three-leg parlay to a four-leg parlay, things like that. So um, that's the superfecta. Trifecta is just the first three horses and the exacta is the top two. And you can do different variations of those. I like to use boxes and, and basically a box means that uh, you're going to say pick three horses. And if I want to use a you know better trifecta box, then the box, what that does is it's going to cost more on my ticket, but the box is going to allow me to get every single combination of those three horses and how they can finish win, play, show. So, you know, a $1 trifecta box, what that means is the $1 is your multiplier. And then however many horses you put in your box, that's, you're going to multiply that by one. And that's how much your total ticket is going to cost. And you can do that with, you know, a $2 trifecta box. You can put four horses in your box. However, you want to pay it out almost. And, and however you, you know, however, whatever your bankroll is and, and however, but obviously know that the more horses you put in your box, the more combinations those horses can finish in and the more expensive your ticket is going to cost. So I try and keep it to four or five horses that I like and, and kind of take it from there. And uh, so I will definitely, I, I like to certainly dabble with the trifectas and uh, try and throw a price in there that uh, could maybe hit the board at a, you know, as a longer shot. So again, we'll get to the specifics of that as we progress, but uh, the trifecta is probably the one I like the most. And then the exacta is obviously just the first two horses. And again, same thing. If you like five horses, throw those five in an exacta and you just need two of the five to come in first and second. And, you know, again, I, I, I prefer to box all of these tickets. You can, I learned the hard way. I did what was called a trifecta key uh, at the Preakness in 2017, I was there and I had one horse who I really liked to win the race. And so I bet him in a trifecta key. What a key is, is you key that horse to win the race and then you put all the other ones in a box. Sure enough, I had the my winner I was standing right on the finish line. He turns the corner with the lead and he ended up getting chased down by another horse that I had in my box. But because I had a key, which meant that I needed that horse to win the race and he didn't, my ticket went down the drain. Had I boxed, would have won the trifecta. So that one hurt pretty badly, especially being at the race. So uh, again, I prefer to box, but if for bankroll purposes, if you'd rather just uh, take a, a straight uh, of an exacto or a trifecta, etc., cetera, uh, I, I, I certainly understand that. But again, under, uh, know that when you do that, you're only getting one of the you know combinations of the three. You got to lock them in, okay? Like the number three horse to win, the number ten horse to come in second, and the number eight horse to come in third, and it's got to be in that order. So that 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 that's the thing about boxing your tickets uh, with your exotics. That obviously you pay more, but you get more combinations. The one other thing that I will say I like to do, uh, which you can have some fun with, is uh, if you opt to then uh, excuse me. If you opt to 
cue in on one horse. Like I said, you could make things easy and just straight bet the horse to win. But what I will like to do is I'll bet that horse in exactas against the field. And what I'll mean by that is, so say you like the 10 horse, Zandon, you'll bet, there's a 19 horse field here, so you'll bet 18 exactas, and you'll have Zandon at first in every single one, and then you'll bet a different exacta with each horse in the field of the other 18 with Zandon. And obviously that can backfire because if it's a you know chalky finish, then the exact is not going to pay as well. But if you get a big, you know, 30 to 1, 40 to 1 price that happens to hit the board in place, then all of a sudden, if Zandon still wins the race, you're going to win more money than just straight betting Zandon. So those are just some things that I like to look at. Uh, I pulled up a calculator now. Uh, a $1 trifecta box with four horses would cost you 24 bucks. So that basically means there's 24 different combinations that those four horses could finish in the top three and you're paying $1 for each one. Therefore, it's a $24 ticket. So that's just an example for you. And uh, that's just a little bit about how the uh, gambling on the ponies works, at least what I like to do. And again, I'm not the most uh, well-versed horse racing better, but I definitely have been through the ringer a little bit with the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont Stakes, and the Preakness, excuse me, the middle jewel of the Triple Crown as well, enough to kind of know how it goes. So without further ado, let's get into the field for this year's run for the Roses, and let's start with the number one horse, Mo Donegal, who seemingly was going to be a popular pick before drawing uh, this first post position, which is kind of a problematic post uh, for context Ferdinand in 1986 is the last horse to win from the first post position. So you'd have to go back 36 years to find a horse to win out of the first post. And the reason why this could be problematic, especially for Mo Donegal, uh, in doing some research, Mo Donegal seems like more of a closer, okay? Somebody that might hang back a little bit the first half of the race or so and then come on late. And the issue with that is if you want to be a closer, well, you need the race to kind of be clean and you need to just kind of hang around and give yourself a chance to close properly. And when you draw that first post, that's where things can get a little messy right out of the gate, and all of a sudden, cleanliness could be an issue when you're on the rail right away. So I think for that reason, I probably won't use the number one in any of my tickets, but I do think that you know, if you wanted to consider it, it seems like this is a horse that's talented enough to win this race. Uh, Todd Pletcher is the trainer who's a, a trainer who is very highly respected in the sport and has won a couple of Kentucky Derbies. So that's something to consider as well. Uh, and Mo Donical has ran in five previous races. Remember, all these horses are three-year-olds. Uh, and, you know, they have varying degrees of experience. Some with a decent amount, others not many. Uh, but five races isn't bad. And he has hit the board, meaning win, play, show, in all five of his starts. So not a bad look. Uh, but again, that first post position definitely uh, giving me a little bit of a cause for concern. Let's go to the number two now. That would be Happy Jack. And uh, Happy Jack is a much bigger price at 30 to 1. Uh, if you watch the Triple Crown every year, as I do, you might know the name of the trainer, Doug O'Neill. He had I'll, ha I'll Have Another a decade ago who won the first two legs before getting scratched for the Belmont. And... Uh, won this race again, the Derby that is, with Nyquist in 2016. However, uh, this is a horse that finished third in a couple uh, Santa Anita prep races. Santa Anita is another one of those tracks that they uh, run races at uh, all year long, basically, and um, finished third in a couple of the Derby preps. 
and, and, and so, again, I, I, I don't think if you can't uh, win any of those uh, Santa Anita Park preps, I don't know that there's enough here in the cards for Happy Jack, so probably one that I will uh, move on. And it sounded like in those races that I was reading about the two here, Happy Jack, that he did finish third. He wasn't really much of a factor in either, so it wasn't like he could have won the race. Just kind of uh, found his way into that third finish spot. So with that in mind, I'll move on and go to the horse that I think probably wins the race, and that's the number three epicenter. Uh, This horse has won four of his six starts, including three Louisiana prep races, and one of them is the grade two Louisiana Derby. And when I say grade two, what that means is there's different stakes races that get graded based on the fields that they're in. Grade one, grade two, grade three, uh, and those are the three levels that they grade with. And uh, you know, one being the highest level, two, three, progressively worse in terms of fields, but still a grade two race here with the Louisiana Derby that Epicenter won. And it just seems like this is a horse that has a very versatile running style, which will help coming out of a third. If he was more towards the middle of the field, I think a lot of people, he'd be even more popular, but still good enough to overcome. You know, again, these early post positions aren't great. Three, not as lethal as one, it seems like, but still a versatile enough horse to overcome a less than ideal post position. Joel Rosario is the jockey, one of the top jockeys that won the Derby aboard Orb in 2013. And it's a Hall of Fame trainer, Steve Asterson, who has, believe it or not, never won the Kentucky Derby. 0 for 23 is Asterson. This will be a big story if he wins with Epicenter on Saturday because, uh, you know, he has come close finishing second with looking at Lee in 2017, Nero in 2011, and Gunrunner in 2016, as well as Curlin in 2007, but never gotten over the hump. So Steve Asmussen will be somebody that everybody is rooting for. And also, there will be some regional and local support for Epicenter. This horse is from Bowling Green, Kentucky, just an hour and 50 minutes away from Louisville. So I will certainly be using Epicenter in my tickets on Saturday. Number four is summer is tomorrow. A couple of wins in Dubai, but again, the fields don't really match up well enough to like summer is tomorrow. That That's a thing, right? I, I'll try and break this thing down into some... Uh, you know, American sports terms for you. And think about when we look at this field and you look at the horses, think about it like the NCAA tournament in some ways where you have to try and look at what sometimes we look at strength of schedule, right? Particularly for the, you know, teams from smaller conferences. Well, you know, they say it every year about Gonzaga. Well, who'd Gonzaga play in the non-conference, right? And that's what you kind of have to do with the uh, derby field too because you got 19 horses, uh, you know, is just try and figure out who have these horses raced against in in previous races and how comparable are the fields? And that's something that seems to be working against summer is tomorrow. So I will not use the number four. Number five is smile happy. Here's an interesting one. And, you know, again, continuing with the college basketball analogy, smile happy is kind of like the uh, North Carolina this year or the UCLA of last year where you get a mixed bag of results and at its best is good enough to win this thing, but at its worst looks kind of pedestrian and in the middle of the pack. And, you know, uh, this is a horse that won at Churchill Downs last year as a two-year-old, but has yet to win a race this year. So Smile Happy is being priced, I believe, at 20-1 to 1 on the morning line. You could look at that one of two ways. 
maybe there's value and this is a buy low opportunity or maybe you don't want any part of it due to the inconsistency. I think I probably will end up using Smile Happy because as I said in the exotics, you're always trying to find a double digit horse to hit the board and, and those long shots can really help your payout. So I think the five is interesting enough for me to consider using come Saturday uh, with a few exotics. The number six is Messier, and uh, we'll stop and just say fuck Canada because this is na- this horse is named after Mark Messier, and um, I don't know much more about the uh, the horse racing background in Canada, but uh, this is obviously a uh, a Canadian horse who uh, is certainly good enough to win this thing, and the. Excuse me. The uh, his uh, stablemate though, Taiba, who's in this race, we'll get to him. Beat him at the Santa Anita Derby. So um, I don't know that the price is enough. I, I think he's like eight to one on the morning line, and I don't know that there's enough there for me to want to get on him in any tickets. Seasoned, uh, and that's nice. But again, like I said, Taiba got him at the Santa Anita Derby, and. Uh, he has finished first or second in all six of his starts, uh, but he lost to his stablemate, uh, Taibo, which I keep coming back on because that was one of the more uh, significant fields that he ran in, and uh, you know it was two months in between races. The trainer, Tim Yachtin, uh, is a Bob Baffert assistant, so I wouldn't blame anybody for using Messier, but usually you have to take a stand against a few of the shorter-priced single-digit horses on the morning line, and uh, that's probably what I'll be doing. And if Messier wins the race, well, I guess it's just not my day. The number seven is Crown Pride, a Japanese horse, uh, and uh, this horse is at 20-1 to 1 on the morning line. A lot of races in Saudi Arabia, the UA United Arab Emirates Derby, um, and, you know, it seems like a horse that maybe could be intriguing, but again, what do we really know about these fields that the horse has been running in? Uh, and you know, he seems to have the speed to perhaps be intriguing, uh, but uh, this is kind of like a mystery horse for me. I, I don't really know that anybody is really aware of what kind of run the number seven is going to give, so probably a stay away. The number eight is interesting, and that's going to be Todd Pletcher's uh, another Pletcher horse. He's got three in this field. And that's going to be the Charge It. Uh, not a ton of experience for Charge It, but second in the Florida Derby, which was his most recent start. And that was his first graded stakes run. Uh, and he seems to be trending in the right direction here uh, coming into the Triple Crown. And I, I had my a guest, as I said, on my radio show, a uh, horse riding guy from the Pollock Report, who came on and said that you know this could be a guy to look at maybe more in the... Belmont as well because lightly raced and so you get another race under his belt I don't know that he would run the Preakness we see this a lot right the Derby field is the biggest and then the Preakness is a lot smaller and then the Belmont kind of can land somewhere in between because you get some horses that don't run the Preakness that come back for the Belmont that's kind of what might be worth keeping an eye on in a month when we get to Belmont Park uh, for the final jewel of the Triple Crown Uh, but I do like the way this horse is trending. Uh, only three horses, only three races, excuse me, uh, under his belt. Uh, but you could argue that creates value as well. 
And I think this could be one at 20 to 1 on the morning line. Again, I like the, the trainer, Todd Pletcher, who has won this race a couple of times. So I think I, I will very strongly consider using Charge It. Uh, and again, uh, somebody I may revisit come Belmont time. Number nine is Tis the Bomb. And uh, this is a horse that, again, I'm not as familiar with. He has won five of his eight starts, uh, but his best running has been done on a synthetic surface, was what I saw in doing my research. So um, it seems like the, the, that's the other thing, right? Rain in the forecast on Saturday. Conditions might not be great. So probably a stay away at the number nine post uh, in, uh, with, uh, excuse me, Tiz the Bomb. Let's move on and go to the 10, which is Zandon. This is another horse that's going to get a lot of love. And certainly, you know, you look at it and you can say, you know, I understand why viable to hit the board and uh, a horse that comes in at just three to one on the morning line uh, seems to be one of those deep closures as well that likes to run from the back. And, uh, you know, he's coming in with a jockey in Flavian Pratt who's had a lot of good runs lately, uh, and it's a Bluegrass Stakes winner as well. That was another uh, key race coming into the Derby, uh, and so you you, you pair the, the horse just being one of the more talented horses in the field with a jockey that, you know, is highly respected, and, you know, there's definitely reason to like Zandon. Uh, however, the price is so short, and I mentioned being a deep closer with a lot of traffic in this field of 18-19. If things get jammed up, it just might not be in the cards for Zandon to get all the way uh, into the uh, you know the top two spots on the board, let's say. I mentioned having a guest on my radio show who said he thinks the worst case for Zandon is finishing between third and fifth. Good enough to just run a perfect race and win the thing. Uh, but again, the deep closing profile kind of concerns me a little bit with a big field like this. So I'm thinking at three to one, it's just not a long enough price for me to be super interested, maybe finds my way into some exotics, but uh, you know, again, at three to one, it's not like he's really jacking up my payout at all. So um, I, I, I'll consider using him, but uh, you know, just based on the talent, and the fact that he could just win the thing and, and, and might just be the best horse in this field. But I'll just say I won't have too much skin in the game with Zandon. Pioneer of Medina is the number 11 horse, who's another Todd Pletcher horse, who seems to be pretty solid. And, you know, 30 to 1 is, again, a horse if you want to use in on the bottom of your tickets in some, in some you know, tries and, and, if, and maybe a super. Go ahead. Uh, fifth racetrack and seventh jockey for this horse, though. And, that, and that's a thing, right? I talked about Smile Happy as being one that you might be intrigued by because he has already won at Churchill Downs. Well, if you've had four or five different tracks and a bunch of different jockeys, that might be too much inconsistency, right? Smile happy, the inconsistency could be a little bit of a concern, but is it enough to make you want to fade the horse and not use him? You know, I think I'll probably use the five. But then I look at 11 and think, well... Maybe there's too much going on with the different jockeys and the different tracks to expect an immediate result here in the Derby. Finished third in the Louisiana Derby. So again, I think the talent's there. And he could be a sneaky closer that 
comes in and blows up some trifectas or supers and gives you a nice price play at 30 to 1 on the morning line, but probably one that I'm going to shy away from. 12 is Taiba. Uh, again, this is Tim Yachtin with the trainer. Again, I mentioned him being the Bob Baffert assistant who is, uh, you know, obviously training his own ponies now. And he's undefeated. And I mentioned that he beat his uh, stablemate Messier, got him uh, in his most recent start at the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, but only two starts, that, that might not be... Uh, how do you weigh that, right? Compared with the price at 12-1 to 1 on the morning line. So, now, the thing that might help kind of subside some of those concerns, Mike Smith is 56 years old. He's a jockey here. And he is well-seasoned. But he would be the oldest jockey to win the Derby if Taiba wins the 12. So you have a really old jockey. And you have a, a Colt that's only ran two races. I don't know that I love that. On to the 13, simplification. And he's only ran at Gulfstream Park, which is another popular track for... And I think it's in Florida. And... It seems like the speed figures, they, all have, they have like different speed stats on these horses, aren't as good for simplification. And I don't know that he's going to be able to make a late push the way some others would. So 20 to 1, uh, it, it seems like, you know, he finished third in the Florida Derby. It seems like there are some reasons to like this horse. But another one that is just kind of I shrug my shoulders at and and and, and say, eh, you know, I don't dislike you. I don't know, do we dislike any horse? You know, why, why would why would you dislike a horse? But I don't know that I'll use him. Fourteen is interesting. Barber Road, and I talk about how there's some of these horses that might find a way to hit the board. Maybe they don't win, but they make the the exacta or the trifecta pay a little bit better. That's Barber Road for me. I think he's live here and someone that I will look at. Because he's got four runner-up finishes. And again, my guest on my radio show said he's got good closing jets, but he's never been able to get all the way to the to the front of the pack. So he might not be a legitimate win threat, but when you're talking about horses that are 20, 30 to 1 on the morning line and you're looking for some value in your exotics, this is one I think you should consider. So Barber Road, the 14, is interesting. The 15 is White Abario. I hope I said that right. He's won four of his five starts including the Florida Derby, but the one loss did come at Churchill Downs. So maybe this track is not as best suited for the 15. Only a 10 to 1. I'll pass. 16, Cyberknife. There's going to be, probably be some sentimental bets here. He's named after a treatment for cancer. Uh, Brad Cox, highly respected trainer as well. And uh, as I said, he's won his last two starts. 
So, again, another horse that I wouldn't fault anybody for using as, uh, you know, 20 to 1 morning line, similar to Barber Road uh, at 30 to 1, where it's like, okay, if you're looking for horses that could hit the board and give you a little bit more of a value on your price, uh, that's probably a, a wise choice is the 16. Classic Causeway is the 17, and this has been a high-variance horse, Tampa Derby champion, uh, but really didn't look good at all in the Florida Derby from the research I did. And he finished last, actually, in the Florida Derby. So a little too high variance for me there. Brad Cox comes in with the 18th post position as well with Tawny Port. This is his third start in five weeks. Normally, you would want the horse to be a little more rested going into the beginning of the Triple Crown, which is three races in five weeks. So I'll pass on Tawny Port. And then the 19 is Zozos, another Brad Cox horse. And lightly raced, Louisiana Derby runner-up. And it seems like this will be a horse that will look to grab the lead early and jump out quickly and might get uh, caught in some of the early feeling out that we see right out of the gate. So I don't know that I love this one either, uh, but twenty to one, lightly raced. It doesn't it doesn't seem like there's we don't I don't know that we know enough about this horse to feel good about using him. So that puts a bow on the field, and I will close by saying that the as I said I think Epicenter is the one if I had to pick that would win the race, and so the five horses I think I'm probably going to be using are Epicenter the 3, Charge It, the 8, Barber Road, the 14, and the 5 I like is Smile Happy. And then Zandon is one that I'll probably just throw in, again, based on just the raw talent of the horse, even though the price is obviously very short. So for me, at least the 5 that I'm looking at, I haven't quite decided yet how I'll split my bankroll up, The number three, Epicenter. The five, Smile Happy. The eight, Charge It. The 10, Zandon. And the 14, Barber Road. That'll do it for me here on a Thursday evening. You listen on a Friday morning in all likelihood. Everybody enjoy the run for the roses. Enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs. Whatever floats your boat. And I'll be back. I I think we're going to do a schedule release for the NFL episode next week. And... You know, we got the PJ Championship coming up, so all sorts of fun stuff to talk about as uh, we uh, kind of mix it up in the spring and summer here on Full Slate. Again, my name is Greg Frank. You can find me on Gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. Alex Uplinger, our Jack of All Trades, manages the podcast Twitter at Full Underscore Slate Underscore Pod. And as I said, that'll do it for me. Everybody enjoy the Derby, and of course, please play responsibly.